pointing out the subtle beginnings of pride. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Pride often starts with a compliment, is nurtured by self-satisfaction, and then it explodes into our lives in such a way where we're caught up with pride. You need to be careful not to read your own press clippings, you know? Oh, the great story of how God has used you, and you read the story, you go, that's me. No, it's Jesus. All the time, every time. It's all about the Lord. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's been observed that the middle letter of sin and pride is I. An astute observation. We can so easily forget that apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. We're all vulnerable to this, but there's a remedy, and we'll hear about it today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. As we continue through Romans, we're confronted with the issue of pride. Last time we began to learn of the danger of pride and the subtle steps to becoming prideful. Here with more, including pride's remedy, is Pastor Ed. You need to be careful not to read your own press clippings, you know? Oh, the great story of how God has used you, and you read the story, you go, that's me. No, it's Jesus. All the time, every time. Did you hear me, church? It's all about the Lord. We can take no credit and no glory for what God has done. But Ed, I woke up every day at 5 a.m. Because the Lord woke you up. What are you getting up at 5 a.m. for anyway? (laughs) The Lord got you up. No, no, Ed, it was my alarm clock. He gave you the money to buy that alarm clock. Oh, no, Ed, it was the electricity. He gave you the money to pay your bill. Oh, you know, you can go on and on with that, and it'll all take you back to God's faithfulness in your life, every single one. So be careful. Be careful. Be careful you don't read your own press clippings. Be careful you don't... This pride can get us all. We don't want to be surrounded by celebrities and rock stars as believers. We just want to be used by the Lord. And he gets all the credit for great things that he has done. Let me show you a key to this. Flip over to John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus himself gives us a key of serving him in humility. John 15 is to the left of Romans, and he gives us a great key. It's really just one word. It's the word abide. When you as a believer learn how to abide in Jesus Christ, your life is going to take off. There's going to be fantastic balance in your life when you're abiding in the Lord. Confusion gets cleared up when you abide in the Lord. Issues start to resolve themselves because you're abiding in the Lord. Encouragement comes abiding in the Lord. Strength comes abiding in the Lord. And pick up with me in verse 4. Jesus says, abide in me. That's a command. Next to that word abide, if you want to circle it, you can write some definitions. Some definitions of abide, that word literally means to stand still or to remain. That word also means to stay put. In modern day language, you know, if we were to say, use the word abide today, we would probably say something like hang out. You know, where you're just comfortable somewhere. 
And that's where you hang out. You're known by where you hang out. Well, same thing goes as a Christian. Where do you hang out? Jesus says, hang out in me. Abide in me. And he says, I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You might want to just mark those words, bears much fruit. God can take someone that bears no fruit and they can start bearing much fruit. And Jesus says at the end of verse 5, for without me you can do, what does your Bible say? Why don't we say that with some emphasis? Without me you can do? I hope you believe that. I hope you believe it. Jesus said it. Without him, we can't do anything. I can do nothing. I do nothing without Jesus Christ in my life. He said it straight up. It's wonderful because God takes this person with no fruit and and starts bearing much fruit. And the key is abiding, hanging out with the Lord. You and him, he and you. Just taking all of your wisdom and understanding from him and it goes right back to him. It's all about Jesus. He invaded our lives, remember? Jesus just showed up on our lives. He, He blessed us by While we were dead in our trespasses and sins and wanted nothing to do with Jesus Christ, he came into our lives. I know a lot of times we have times for testimony here, right? And and in our times of testimony, you might hear some crazy, radical, gutter stories, man. I mean, people were at their lowest and their lowest and their lowest, and that's when the Lord met them. It's Psalm 40 all over again, right? Being in that miry pit, being in the miry clay in that deep, dark pit. And and some of you, just as a side note, get really discouraged when you hear those testimonies because you're like, I don't have a testimony like that. I was saved as a little kid, and and I grew up in a Christian home, and I've stayed steady with the Lord, and I followed him my whole life. And it really bums you out. Listen, don't be bummed out. I think sometimes being saved at a young age and being able to grow up and avoid the junk of the world is actually a stronger testimony than the knuckleheadedness of us that rebelled against God for so much of our lives. All of our testimonies are important. They're all just as equally valid in our lives. And it doesn't matter whether you got saved as a youngster or you got saved older in life. God loved you when you didn't love him. He reached down to you when you weren't reaching out to him. And I know there's a lot of talk today, and we use the phrases here even ourselves. There's a lot of talk today about choosing Jesus, receiving Jesus, seeking Jesus. I think it's all good. I think it's really all good. I think that there is an emphasis in the Bible on the human responsibility of responding to the gospel. And those of you that are not connected to Jesus Christ are going to have an opportunity to respond. And I might use the word choose, receive, respond. They're all good words, but I want to emphasize something here. You didn't choose Jesus. He chose you. And he loved you. The reason we love is because why? He first loved us. And so although there's a response on our part when the gospel comes to us, let me tell you, friend, Jesus sought you out. The Holy Spirit's come to you. The conviction of sin in your life is because God is reaching out to you first and foremost. And I pray you respond today. My prayer is that you respond. The only hope for your life is the forgiveness of your sins, period. That is man's greatest need. And you can't play religious. You're going to be found out. You can't play around with ritual and routine because you're going to be found out. Whether you're young or old, God is going to root that out in your life and he's going to show you. He's going to say, look at your life. Why do you continue to live apart from me? And at that right time, at that appointed time, God's going to grab you. Don't resist him. Don't keep fighting him. Respond to the conviction of sin that God has put upon your heart. 
receive the forgiveness of your sins. And then once you do, Christians, abide. Because that's where fruit comes. If you really want to start growing in Jesus and bearing much fruit, then abide. And one thing you can expect when you're abiding in Jesus, Jesus is going to rearrange things in your life. He's going to change things up. There are things in your life where he is going to say, that cannot remain. That needs to be dealt with. He's going to root things. This is the entirety of our Christian experience. The process of sanctification, of us being changed into the image of Jesus, is that God is rearranging things in our lives. No, 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 Ed, you can't. No, no, don't go there anymore. That's not going to be safe for you. Okay, God. No, no, Ed, you watch out for that. Don't put that thing on your eyes. Don't let it go into your heart. It's not good for you. Okay, Lord. Ed, Ed, start embracing my word and reading it. It will be very good for you. Okay, Lord. And through the process, God's going to rearrange a few things in your life to stay put. Though all the chaos in life might be swirling around you, the safest place for the believer on the earth today is to be hidden in Christ Jesus. His life is our life. And the life that we live, we live by faith. Let me show you abide real quick before we head out. 1 John chapter 4. Let's turn over there. It's to the right. 1 John chapter 4. Let me give you some insight on abiding. What it looks like. What is some of the process? 1 John chapter 4. Pick up with me in verse 15. And we're just going to look at a few verses here in the letters that John wrote. 1 John 4, 15 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So abiding begins with confession. That confession can be when you get saved, but it can be a constant, continual acknowledgement. You know what, God? You're my Savior. You're my Lord. When you start that confession, when you start speaking, like just speaking to the Lord, like you're my God, you're all my all in all, you're naturally drawing near to him. Look at chapter 3, verse 23. Might be on the same page for you. 1 John 3, 23. It says, this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he's given to us. So it begins with confession. It continues with a life of steady obedience. I mean, you can't be here today and look me in the eye and say, Ed, I'm abiding and I'm flat out disobeying. It doesn't work that way. Now, I'm just going to live a life of disobedience, but I love the Lord. I'm hanging out with him. You're not. Disobedience, disobedience is something that needs to be dealt with in our hearts. I mean, guys, you've got to allow someone in your life to tell you the truth. Would you please? you just got to be open to it. If you don't like it, you've got to be open for someone to look you in the eye and say, look, this is not right, and receive it. The worst thing we can do is continually defend ourselves and continually, no, you don't understand, no, you don't understand. I mean, don't you think they had to muster up enough courage just to tell you? Even if they are wrong, just seek the Lord. Let the Lord clear it up for you. Obey. Obey. You know, one of the things we do when we are dealing with disobedience in our life is we'll emphasize obedience in another area. Like we're disobedient in X, but we don't want to talk about that. All we're going to talk about is our obedience in Y. It's like, oh, I'm obeying. I'm da, da, da. And like, wait, 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 wait. The Lord's like kind of showing you something. Oh, no, 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 no. It's like we have to be reminded again, huh? And I don't like answering the Lord, huh? But I do sometimes. I'm like, what? Did I miss it? Where am I? Lord, help me. And so it continues with obedience. Notice in chapter 2, verse 24, it continues 
He says, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Can I just say, friends, just to encourage you, check this out. You are taking the first step of abiding right now. Right now. You could be doing a lot of other things right now. You know, the weather's beautiful today. You can, first service, I said you go to the beach. You can't go to the beach. You can go to the reservoir, though, Juan. That's like the closest thing we have here. But, you know, you can enjoy the mountains. You can enjoy a drive. It's the kind of days like this are greatly tempting, aren't they? But not you. You've chosen to take that step of abiding. You might go to the mountains later. You might enjoy the rest of the day later. But for this morning time, for this time that you've assembled, you say, you know, Lord, I want to seek you. I want to be with other believers. I want to step towards you, not away from you. That's abiding. It starts with confession, continues with obedience, and then there's this constant, hey, let the word of God abide in you. Don't force it out with all this other nonsense. Let it abide in you. And it's so wonderful because the fruit that God wants from our lives is not something that we can produce ourselves. It's not something we can do. Sometimes we view our lives like we're a factory, right? We're a fruit-producing factory, And we're going to work, and we're going to work, and we're going to work, and we're going to give to God, and we're going to do this for God, and we're going to do this for God. And this is where many Christians get frustrated. I think it starts with a a good motive. You know, there's this sense of obligation in our hearts, right? We Like, Lord, you've saved me. I give you my life. And I'm willing to go anywhere and do anything. And it starts so well, but it starts to be outside of the will of God. So you only want to be doing what God wants you to be doing. You only want to be producing the fruit from your life, not as a factory. He sees us not as a factory, but as a garden, a well-watered, well-cared-for garden where in our lives we get a little water, we get a little sun, we get a little shade, we get a little fertilizer, and all the ingredients from our Father in heaven that takes good care of us, what happens from our life but fruit? And you're like, wow, this is so cool. This is so wonderful. We don't work for God. He works in us. We don't try to offer all our good works to God and say, here, God, you owe me. No. You know, what happens when a person relates to God through works, it goes well for a while because you feel real good because you're doing a lot of things for God and it's a new life and it's wonderful. It goes well for a while until you fail. When you fail... Then you find out whether you were really serving the Lord, led by the Lord, or you were really serving the Lord in your own strength. Because your response to failure will tell you and me a lot about our hearts. And failure will often lead us, let me tell you, when you're in the the strength of your flesh, failure will be a condemning feeling. I can't stand it, I'm a loser, I can't do anything for God. Well, did God ask you to do it? Is this really from him? Because if it is, then he'll even take failure and use it to train you. He doesn't want to condemn you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So even if we fail while we're abiding in the Lord, God's going to use failure to strengthen us, to teach us. But when we're in the strength of the flesh, failure is like a major blow to us. And now we're afraid to tell anybody we failed. And now we don't want anyone to know that we're human. That's the flesh, man. You don't want to be a factory. I'm going to make some fruit here. I mean, think of the picture, right? You go into an apple orchard, and you see these beautiful, lush trees filled with big, juicy apples. Let me tell you one thing you're not going to hear in that orchard. You know what you're not going to hear? 
And you like ask the guy, hey, what's wrong with the trees? Oh, they're just making fruit, man. <laughs> it sounds like they got a problem. No, no, that's how they do it. They just grunt their way to fruitfulness. That's not how it works. It's nice and serene. You hear the wind through the leaves. You see the luscious fruit because that fruit comes from what? Relationship. You've got the trunk taking the roots down into the luscious soil and the water and the nutrients coming up through the roots into the trunk and out the branches and voila, out of relationship, those trees don't grunt their way to fruit. They just abide. I've met a few Christians that grunt their way to fruit, though. You look at them, and you're like, what's up, bro? I'm just fruiting, man, you know, just making some fruit for the Lord. And you're like, why are you so stressed out? Why are you so upset? Why are you so frustrated? Why are you striving? Abiding in the Lord. There's sweetness, there's beauty, and there's much fruit. And you don't need to work your way into God's favor. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. You're already in the favor of God, believer. As you and I abide in the Lord, fruit comes from our lives, comes naturally, just as it is in your life. And so this great apostle, some would even say the greatest Christian that ever lived, said he wasn't going to brag about anything. But if he was going to brag, you know what he's going to brag? I'm bragging on Jesus. And so I pray that's our heart. I mean, if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. If you're going to take pleasure in being used by God, give him all the credit. If there's going to be satisfaction in being a servant of the Lord, which there is and there will be, make sure he gets all the credit. Be transparent. Let the compliments, let the appreciation not just come to you, but let him go through you and take that person to the cross, the real source of any one of us being used. One more thing before we leave. It's like just like from me to you. It's like from my heart to yours as I was thinking through this. I just want to ask you. I want to ask you very sincerely. Please do not make me a celebrity or a rock star in your eyes. So perhaps God's used me in your life. Good. But let me tell you, it's not me. God is abundantly full of grace. And I recognize that in this church, I have a place, I have a position where I might be well, I might be well known, I might be more out front, where the time that we spend, you get to see me face to face. But let me tell you, this church, this fellowship family is filled with hundreds, if not thousands of unknown saints that sacrifice their precious time, their precious resources to serve the Lord through the ministry here. I have a very small part of what God is doing here, but I have my part. I have my role. I want you just to remember, and from time to time, I'll remind you that I'm just a believer like you. I'm exercising a gift today. That's why I'm here. God has not only given me a gifting in the realm of pastoring and teaching, but he's also given me a mandate, Ed. This is what you got to do. So like Paul, I can say, woe is me if I don't serve you as your pastor and teacher, if I don't serve alongside of you. Woe is me. It's what I was born to do. It's what God has given me as a calling, and I embrace it, and I love it, and I will take all the good, and I will receive all the bad, and I will get all of my strength, hopefully, from the Lord. But please don't make me a celebrity in your mind or some rock star. I'm just Ed. And if it ever helps you, you could just call me Mr. Ed. <laughs> and in your mind, the horse and all that, just make it real easy, right? Just a regular guy serving you and encouraging you to serve. And, and in the ministry here, we just all serve together. I want to be careful on the other end that with appreciation and encouragement, I receive it. But I'm going to point you to Jesus. 
He's the author. He's the source. He's our all in all. And so be careful, church. Be careful that when we're enjoying the ministry, when we're watching God work, let's just be careful to give him all the credit. Amen? Pastor Ed Taylor, giving credit where credit is due. Thanks for joining us today for Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed, you spoke of the real danger of idolatry in elevating someone in the church to celebrity status. Perhaps there are some who aren't aware they're doing this. Is there a telltale sign or two? Well, you know, Larry, things have changed dramatically in the last few years as it relates to the church as it relates to the size of the church, we're in the era of the mega church, which means there are mega church pastors and they have a platform uh, through social media, through book sales and distribution, where they, the, the idea of pastors now being able to reach people around the world is something that's new and novel in the way that it's happening in our generation. And much of it is fine and good. Uh, a lot of the pastors, you know, when you think of celebrity, you think of the word famous, and you can be famous for good things, you could be famous for bad things. And not every pastor that has a large following it would fall into that category of a celebrity pastor. What I mean by a celebrity pastor is really a pastor that's in it for the celebrity, not necessarily in it to honor God. And I think it, although the church size could develop a celebrity pastor. I think a smaller church could too, where we place somebody on a pedestal in a place where they don't belong. I think being on the radio brings that temptation on YouTube, having a following outside of the walls. And yes, like you said, it can happen in the walls as well of the church and within the local body. We, we just need, the best thing to do is if you're a pastor and you got that celebrity mindset in your mind listening to me right now, it's just best to go back to basics and Go back to being a servant. Go back to obeying Jesus when he said that if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. Humility, brokenness, servanthood are all great antidotes to getting a big head and becoming a celebrity in your own mind or even a celebrity because people prop you up and you have opportunity. And for us, we it, there's nothing wrong with uh, having a favorite teacher. There's nothing wrong necessarily with uh, a particular pastor that has a large following. I, I know a few of the pastors that really bless me, I guess, could be in that category, but they don't, they could be accused of that but they're really not celebrities, they're servants, but they, because God's using them, they have a large platform. May the Lord bless them. And I think whenever you think of this, if, if you have the opportunity, pray for those, instead of criticizing or looking down at them, pray for them, because they obviously have a gifting, and the enemy's after them, and the, the enemy wants to destroy them, and if we cooperate, you know, then, then the world, the flesh, and the devil just wipes us out. So pray for them. And let's just encourage the pastoral ministry and the broad, broad scope of reaching others with the gospel, but let us not let it get to our heads, because we're nothing, and everything, we're nothing, and God is everything. Thanks for touching on that, Pastor Ed. If you'd like to hear this message again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can subscribe to the Abounding Grace podcast there, too, at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app, which is another great way to listen to Pastor Ed. Just search for Calvary Aurora. 
Each month, we pick out a book that we think can really help your walk with the Lord. And here in August, it's The Third Option by Miles McPherson. It's not hard to see that racial tension is high in America today. And maybe you're wondering, is there hope for a racially divided nation? I'm glad to say there is. In the third option, Pastor Miles shares what that is and encourages the reader to rise above the issues that divide us and be part of something bigger. You'll also be challenged to fully embrace God's goodness and power. To get a copy of the third option for a donation of $25 or more, just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And we also want to remind you that we are listener-supported. Abounding Grace airs all across the nation on stations like this one. But in order to do this, we look to our listeners to help cover the costs. You can make a secure donation on our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Just click on Donate. Or if you'd rather call, here's the number 877-30-GRACE. Join us next time as we study through Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor and learn of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.